In studio now at the moment, I do have Tony Weeks, and uh, good morning to, or good afternoon to you, Tony. Good afternoon, Noel. Uh, just want to talk about the. Uh, we could start off about the uh, the community university project force because that's where I, I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been uh, just before I brought you on. You said it's been gone since two thousand and three. Um, I remember when I went down, there's four subjects within yes, the project, right, yeah. and I was saying to myself, "Well, I'd like that. I wouldn't be mad about that, but let's go down and see what mm-hmm. it's all about." And I have to say you were terrific because the way you explained economics was great in the short space of time you had. Mm-hmm. What reaction are you getting in general uh, from the public and attendances and stuff like that over the past 14 years? Well, well for one quick uh, correction there, first okay. of all. It was 2013. Oh, 13, began, sorry. So oh. we've, but we've got what, four five, years, five, six sessions now behind us in which we can judge success in terms of content and in terms of enthusiasm for it I think it's been a great success on, on, uh, without any shadow of doubt participation is good attendance is good some people may have a preference for one of the modules rather than the other but that doesn't matter they still keep coming I'm talking about your, your, oh, mine. your, your input well there. I can flatter myself if I may and say that we're doing this now in some other centres in, in Dublin we're doing one in Walkinstown for example and there's a repeat of the Walkinstown one beginning fairly soon uh, and uh, we had one in the autumn and one this coming up in the next few weeks now for me and I was flattered to hear that people said they wanted because they wanted to have me back and part mm-hmm. of the team. And you're doing the one in Coolock Library as well. I'm doing the Coolock Library, which will kick in for me about the end of this uh, coming month, March, end of March. Yeah. And is there any ideas from the reaction? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of feedback from the people. You do have a Q and A. Yeah, it did at the time. Uh, misconceptions people have about economics, and do they try and put it into a neat ball? And I mean, frugal and thrift is used quite a lot. And you ask about the fiscal space a lot. <laughs> the confusions are a serious part of the issues of our time, I think. Mm-hmm. And many people, I feel, and I'm not being critical here, find it quite difficult to find the language in which they can express their unease and uncertainties. And I think part of my task is to try and listen carefully and try and understand and then try and put an answer, which often runs rather contrary to... Um, people's uh, expectations and prior ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm. It always sounds so complicated though and what's the purpose of economy as such? I mean sometimes, I mean you could ask the early housewife over the past mm-hmm. many many hundred years because there's a question there about what institutes work. I yeah. think a, a housewife will tell you housewifery and, and all that is, is a lot yes. of hard work but they sort of put it aside and say, well, I just walk in the home. Yes, I know. Uh, but yeah. uh, the, the economy itself, what does it mean uh, worldwide the way it is at the moment? Well, I think it's a question that's rarely asked about what is the economy for? It sounds an easy question, but because mm-hmm. it's rarely asked, there really isn't any very ready, uh, readily available answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, people see it in some ways as being something that they're there to serve. I think it's the other way around. I think that the um, what we need to think about is a society and then to ask ourselves how does the economy best serve the needs of society. Now that too is another complicated area and a complicated subject but I think this is the way the emphasis should go and not in terms of how is economic growth going, how is the indebtedness going and so on because mm-hmm. that's rather empty of content. 
Okay. And how does it differ across the world? I mean, obviously, it, I imagine it does. I'm speaking as a layman now. Uh -huh. So how does it differ across the world? And s sometimes uh, a lot of, I mean, doctors differ, patients yeah. die, economists differ. What happens there? Uh, there's all sorts of good reasons why economists might differ. In terms of across the world, I wouldn't know because I've not been everywhere in the world, mm -hmm. but essentially what is called the neoclassical paradigm or the neoclassical framework or think way of thinking has been dominant now, certainly in Western Europe and in North America and in the States, the, the um, uh, Australia and so on, for some, for some years now. Mm -hmm. It's... Um, and that moulds and forms the content of economics education in universities and to some extent feeds into the uh, rather simple aspects of it which feed into, into policy making. Mm -hmm. Do you get a bit dismayed sometimes? I mean, I'm just thinking about what's happening at the moment in Ireland with the, w with the government. I mean, the way they've changed so quickly and the way ministers are changed. Mm -hmm. And uh, sort of, you sort of said to yourself, well, I mean, he's only getting used to the job and he's, he's changed. So mm -hmm. uh, the Exchequer, Minister for the Exchequer, he mightn't get four years. How does that implode on, on, on the economy as such if, if they're not up there? With, uh, how much education should they have, if I can put it like that, as they're going into the job? They well, just put anybody in sometimes. Yes, exactly. And I'm beginning to think, in a, well, maybe not beginning to, maybe I've been doing it for some time now. Politics, maybe, should be something which you cannot simply enter on the basis of popularity or your religion or your family background or something like that. Politics in these days, making policy, is a very difficult subject because we live in a very complicated world. And if you come into that as a politician with only the barest ideas of what the economy is and what it's for and mm -hmm. what to look for, it's not going to work well. Mm -hmm. I suppose like a child gone in somewhere and only learning for the first time. Well, not even, we don't even get to the point often of learning. I mean, you made the point a few moments ago, Noel, about the idea of the word work. Mm -hmm. And something which I'm surprised in some ways women are not more outraged about is this question of the politicians saying, we must get women out to work. Meaning, for some reason, we must get women into paid employment. Mm -hmm. But they've been working quite hard. They've been minding the children, yeah, keeping they, the household going, yeah. Yeah, but women don't look upon that themselves. They're only beginning to realise that now, I think. Yeah, well, extent, one of the I things think, I yeah. do in common universities to try and raise consciousness a bit, you know, to the women particularly, don't see yourself as not working because you're working jolly hard. And often then you're studying in the evening or doing something else, helping the children with their study and, and that kind of thing. So yeah. you probably work in many ways at least as hard, maybe harder in some ways than the men do. I've heard it passing. Uh, I've heard it in passing over many years, especially maybe going back forty, fifty years ago when there was large, large families, and you're yeah. talking about eight to twelve children in the family, yes. and uh, just the father working. And they were saying that there's a lot of the women that were um, juggling with the economy there, yeah. and what they were coming in and what they were paying out. They should have been made the exchequer, the minister for the exchequer, many, many times over during the years. I know it was flippant, but at the same time, it was quite true in an extent, wasn't it? Well, except the task of running a household isn't quite the same thing as running a country because the things and difficult decisions to be made there. I mean, a household cannot raise its own revenue by means of taxation, mm -hmm. nor can it borrow on the scale that the government sees itself as necessarily wanting to borrow. Whereas a household has to work within whatever the breadwinner, let's use that phrase, can bring in. 
I was going to ask you there, as I say, I'm talking as a layman, and I heard someone saying there a while ago, where's all the, the fighting that's going on in the world, the on-the-ground battles mm-hmm. with guns, the old-fashioned way, that really underneath it all, uh, economy has a, a lot to do, which it does with lots mm-hmm. of wars, but the economy, there's actually a, an, an economic war going on with capitalism yes. right across the world. Was that be true to say it's an underlying thing? That's a clandestine. I need to be cautious because no doubt somebody's listening and decides that I'm overstating, but I think there's a recent uh, publication I came across which suggests that finance is the new form of warfare. If you can put a country into such a difficulty, you can take over its natural and public assets without firing a shot because you can simply foreclose upon them and say, like the water and the trees and the air and the mm-hmm. natural resources, and say, okay, we'll take that in lieu of the debt. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to propose somewhere where this is happening, but I think if you look some of the countries of Southern Europe, there'd mm-hmm. be evidence from what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was saying to you. Yeah. I mean, I just heard people in the pub talking like that, saying, yeah. forget about what's happening uh, that's open and overt, the, the fighting that you see with guns and tanks. It's what's happening beneath the surface that's really... Uh, the cause of it all and do you think that people as as far as the, I mean some of the excuses that were given here now for instance uh, just after the the boom and then the bust mm-hmm. was oh, it was all America's fault what happened over there now I, I mentioned earlier and I know you're not across the world but how, how do you feel when you hear uh, people talking like that they're saying well okay it wasn't their fault we have no control over uh, the economics of other countries which has a direct result on what happens to us here Well, that brings me back to a question or a comment I might have made a few minutes ago, I'm not sure now. The notion of economic illiteracy, it's a phrase I use, I think, very much to feel that, and I think you prompted me into it when we started, really, the fact that most people aren't sure how best to handle the economic news and aren't best confident to argue against what's being done in their name. And this, in turn, goes back to the mystification, as I would call it, that the subject has acquired. So highfalutin terms are used to describe mm-hmm. what's going on, and the ordinary person seems to be think, well, if that's how it is, I must trust the experts. Mm-hmm. I think you you said it yourself uh, when I was down in um, uh, down in Coolock Library mm-hmm. when you were starting off. You're saying, I think the eyes are going to glaze over now because I'm going to talk about economics. But uh, yeah. it didn't happen because it, right. okay. it's the way you, you uh, explain it out and uh-huh. come Thank across. Yeah. But I think that's what happens sometimes in news reports and that. And people, uh, as you said about the language that's used, GDP, and only yeah. sort of saying ESB and DDT and all that. And well, right. people just go, I don't understand this, so I'm not going to listen to it. Right. Can they make the lam- language uh, simpler for the layman, do you think, or is that a deliberate ploy? It's hard to know whether it's deliberate, but it certainly works in the sense of keeping us all rather um, uh, confused, to put it mildly, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, several people have commented on what you've just said here. The um, a social historian, Tony Jute, I'm not sure how well known he is in, in Ireland, he spent the last few years of his life in the United States with a very debilitating disease which eventually killed him. But in his book he wrote just long, not long before his death, he commented upon the fact that the ordinary person just doesn't know enough about it. Uh, they're, they're, frightful to, they're, they're fearful about raising the question, they're unsure what to say, mm-hmm. they're not sure what the answer should sound like, and they feel themselves put down by the answer they get. 
And this also is reinforced by the idea, going back to Margaret Thatcher in Britain in the 1980s, there is no alternative. Tina, there is no alternative, and people had to believe that. Mm -hmm. But this is a man-made or human-made system. It's not physics in which, you know, the way you learn at school about Smitty how... Smitty Adam and all that sort Yeah, of exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't defy some aspects of the laws of physics. You can so go back to economics and say it's a human system and it has changed in the past and may have to change again if we're to get them towards a more decent society. Okay, now you were a lecturer in England for many, many years, mm -hmm. I think, say, up to mm -hmm. 1993, mm -hmm. and then you moved to Belfast. Yeah. Is there any difference in what you can see and hear through the media, through Britain and Ireland, uh, when you hear them speak about it on the news or you hear politicians talking? Is there any difference between No, I think the same level of what I'm still calling and will continue to call economic illiteracy is present. It's a very dangerous aspect of our times, I think, and it runs through from... Uh, the politicians, through the media, to the ordinary person. Now, I'm not blaming in one moment the ordinary person. I think they've just felt completely baffled and confused. Mm -hmm. And we go back again to come university and say this is a remedy for this aspect of human life. OK, but I think you can apply that to lots of things. I'm, well, not, I'm not trying to... Uh, Minimise it anyway, no. but it's it's the same when you get some letters from I don't know policies you might have when you read through it, or yeah. when you'd want a solicitor to explain. Oh yeah, half the stuff that's oh. in there is that a deliberate ploy as well? Like I mean, I, I mean they used, the term is used economy stupid. Is it, you know, is it a deliberate ploy to say well okay if they're confused we'll confuse them even more like the fiscal space they used here yeah. two years ago it's ridiculous well Noel you mentioned the fact that uh, you know the lawyer has to interpret documents for you and your doctor has to interpret your symptoms for you but those professions are regulated by their own professional bodies there's no such thing as professional regulation for economists mm -hmm. so in other words anybody who's been through the a educational system and got a degree, ideally a PhD, uh, can catch the eye of maybe some politician and get taken on the staff as an advisor. Okay. How long does it take to become an economist? If you were to well, the standard undergraduate course, at least in my experience, lasts three years. Okay. And then you might want to do a master's degree, and that would take, say, another year. Okay. Um, and then your PhD can be a variable length of time, but it could be two to three years, two many years if you work really hard, three years if would be more the norm. Well, would you say, for instance, with your experience, England and, and Ireland, I suppose I can uh, spread it out that much, that, that uh -huh. it should be mandatory for a anyone thinking of going to politics to do a course in economics? Well, it depends again on what kind of course you get, because what is happening and what I think is a source of encouragement to us all is the dissenting streams in economics are now becoming a little more confident and we're not we're basing our ideas upon things that we've observed things that we've thought about things that we're aware could be changed mm -hmm. and so we're not talking in terms of what some of the street walk street uh, protesters might say smash capitalism we're talking about moving, if we can, to a more gentler form of economics. And economics, let's say, of kindness. Can we use those two words together? It sounds strange. It does, but yeah. I think we have to start doing, trying to think in those terms. At the moment, we have a, an economics of what I broadly would call e economics of cruelty. 
Okay, so you're applying it now not just to finances. It applies across the board to... It does. The way we conduct the affairs of our country and the, the, the issues beyond into housing, education, health, transport, all those things are part of what I would call it, referring to earlier, as the decent society. And if the economy is to serve the decent society, then it has to be aware of the demands that those aspects of our civil society make upon it. Okay. Can I ask you a question now? That probably have to be careful here. But mm-hmm. Is there such a thing as honest banking? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> and, uh, one that I've given some attention to over the years. I know of a bank in the Netherlands, and I quite often visit the Netherlands. I've got many good friends there, and for various personal reasons I often go there. And I'm particularly struck by one of the banks there, which, using the English language, sets its um, slogan for for its trading as for the world of tomorrow. And they will not finance certain aspects of... They won't finance things which are exploitative of people. They will not finance the arms trade. They will not finance things which damage or threaten to damage the natural environment. But they will finance and willingly do it the good things, the small businesses, the energy, um, renewable energy, small businesses, farmers growing food decently and treating the animals well, mm-hmm. and that's their portfolio of work. In addition, from what friends tell me, they offer the normal retail banking service with checks and bank, uh, um, bank transfers and that kind of thing. And it's a model for what banking could be. And my friends in the Netherlands say, well, you know, this is banking. We, we don't, we're puzzled as to why you in these offshore islands of um, Western Europe mm-hmm. still see banking in terms of the kind of activities, which to us seem not far short of being negligent or even, dare we say, criminal. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the extent as well as only reading suggestions in the paper during the week by the credit union, as, as they hear, they have them in England yeah. as well, they should be allowed to go into building houses yeah. and do the same as the banks because maybe they have the same... Uh, mantra as you're talking about mm. uh, in in the Netherlands as well. Yeah. It's uh, of the people for the people. Right. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Um, yes, I think one thing that changed my as own long as they don't end up getting tainted, of course. Well, I had the good fortune, I think, when I was living in England, to join uh, the board as a non-executive director of a very small building society. Mm-hmm. It was called the Ecology Building Society. And it was formed by a solicitor in North Yorkshire. That would have been about 1980-something, early 80s anyway. And the foundation principles are very much what we've just been discussing. Mm -hmm. It will only lend on property and land which has some social or environmental um, consciousness around it about what to, to do good, in other words. Now, doing good is not easy to judge always. But that f- integrity has remained with that building society s- over, what, 20-odd years or so now, 25 mm-hmm. years, something like that, and it's still there. I'm no longer on the board, but I still have friends who are there. Mm-hmm. It's still a small building society, so it's a mutual. If you save or have a loan with them, you are part of the society. You're not a customer. It's survived, though, hasn't it? It's survived because it's doing, it's doing things with integrity well, and that integrity is plain to see okay. we have our well, going back to the time I was on the board we had annual general meetings and the turnout was amazing 
and, and we face the you've mentioned members. you've said integrity there yourself now has yeah. that been taken as uh, i don't mean overall i'm not speaking yeah. general making a generalization mm -hmm. but in a certain aspects of the word economy has that been taken out of economy integrity do they not align themselves to each other anymore well clearly they did but we've kind of lost that thing i think i'm thinking in particular you see i lived in york in england for some years and that was a city very much influenced by the Quaker tradition. The big empire was Roundtree. And the Roundtree family were Quakers, and they had within their religious heritage something that said, it's okay to make a profit, but the issue is what we do with the profit. And they built just to the north side of the city an amazing area where the workers could live and mm -hmm. work. And the working conditions were decent. Mm -hmm. That got lost in the mid-90s when eventually the Roundtree family had pretty well lost interest in the business and it's been taken over eventually by Nestle. Mm -hmm. And all those sort of principles went. So what I'm saying is I think decency is possible within a system which is still calls itself capitalism. But it's harder to find examples. Yes, Nestle yeah. isn't the only one. Cadbury's has been another one based in Birmingham. Well, I think, it, I mean, Roundtree used to be here as well. Yeah. They used to be here as well. But I think it, it applies across, I mean, I know we're generalising and everything now, but mm -hmm. I think most people, no matter what form of, of the, a lot of the arts as well, mm -hmm. and if I'm, if I'm speaking out of turn here, please ring in and slap me if you want to. Uh -huh. But I think it applies to the arts as well, like especially in film. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about um, drama and plays on the stage and stuff like that. I uh -huh. don't know. But I know in movies uh, and in music, for instance, that mm -hmm. the integrity has gone out of a lot of it because it's all about the money now. It's not about the art anymore. No. In lots of cases, in, uh -huh. in seventy-four percent of the cases, as I said, I could be le leave myself open to, uh, uh, to be slapped there. But that seems to be uh -huh. uh, the mantra right across the board. In well, everything. I'll come back on that one, Noel. We talk about integrity. We're talking about the economics of cruelty. The movie Daniel Blake, I Daniel Blake, has been shown it, yeah. in in this part of Ireland, I think. And if anything, shows up both integrity in terms of the filmmaker. He may have overstated in terms of the fact that no one person necessarily su um, suffers all those aspects of humility that Daniel did. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, it's collected from people's personal accounts and stories. And that was done with integrity. And well, it's, it's even... Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. No, you. I, I, I saw the movie recently, and it's, it, it is. It's, it's uh, heartbreaking to watch. But at the same time, even though it is about uh, England, yeah. uh, you can see it's a lot here today, the bu bureaucracy that you can get caught up in, mm -hmm. especially with technology and yeah. ring one for mm -hmm. this, ring two for that, and yeah. the frustration of mm -hmm. it. Uh, it's a wonderful... I'd recommend it to everyone to go and see, but I understand what you're yeah. saying about that. Okay, so the integrity across the board has been gone. Uh, just getting back to the uh, what you're doing at the moment, um, do you find it different north and south? <laughs> do you find any different in in the teaching of north and south? I think there's a. I'm not trying to malign either side. No, there's no, no. Sense, no but uh, but I think it's easier to make the statements I want to make in this part of Ireland than in the north. Okay. The North, to a great extent, is still stuck in ways that go back to the last millennium, I think, or the mm. last century, if not that far back. <laughs> I feel I'm making some progress in discussions or conversations, I prefer to call them, about how things could be. But the really sense of firm affirmation, acclamation I get is when I contribute to come university. Mm. It really works, it really rocks, you know, it's great stuff to have. And I, th I, don't, I think this part of Ireland... The citizenry are beginning to understand what the word citizenship means. 
Mm. And maybe it's taken a long time. But the way your president, Michael D. Higgins, is handling his terms of presidency, some of the speeches he's made have been absolutely wonderful and mm. encouraging. And secondly, I think the way you handle the... Um, or you collectively handle the... Um, uh, <clears throat> memorials to the 1916 rising last year mm. again I think was a very well done and very it it reinforced again I hope I'm reading the things right reinforced that sense of citizenship mm. we are citizens for a long time my passport said I was a subject of Her Majesty <laughs> and my wife's passport says she's a citizen of Ireland mm -hmm. it's a lovely word citizen it is indeed oh, I mean, yeah. I mean it's, if only that uh, some of our politicians could uh, <laughs> Mm. Uh, following the footsteps of, of those that we were yeah. commemorating last year as well, yeah. it would be terrific. So, uh, would you, did you ever consider finally, uh, Tony? Did you ever consider doing what a lot of other economists do to an extent? And, and I know you're doing a community mm. thing, which is wonderful. And you were saying there there should be more of them. Yes. Would you not do personal things yourself, and you know, in certain ways? And well, I do some personal some of things. Them do. I mean, some things because. Um, no, like, uh, I have an academic pension and therefore I can do some things for free and some things I like to get paid for. Mm. Um, I've been doing some work with the local Methodists in recent, um, well, September, October last year we did something on the theme of enough is plenty, which again gently explored some of this issue of what is economics for, what is it about, mm -hmm. why must we always be pushing consumption to the limit and not looking at the other things that make us human and are part of our human um, needs. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's sort of, I mean, I've heard a lot of people saying that what, what we're, what's happening in, in Ireland from the late 90s, I think it was, yeah. uh, right up to now, was is what was happening in Britain oh, yeah. from the late 70s up mm -hmm. to the 90s. Mm -hmm. Especially with Margaret Thatcher there, and they're, 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 they're the comparisons that people are making yes. there, like it's some of the uh, things that's happened here mm -hmm. to the extent, and and people have lost their way a little bit, and greed has come yes. into the uh, equation quite a lot, and w when you say what's enough, you, that's the question. Every how much do you need? That's the whole thing about it, isn't it? There's no easy answer to the question, but the question, like questions generally, need to be raised. Mm -hmm. And we need to sit in a participative discussion and we each have our own view, but we can share things. And that kind of civic conversation, I think, is something that's very important mm -hmm. and which Com University and my work with my Methodist friends helps to foster. So, yes, it's important. This is grasping back again, if I may repeat myself, this notion of citizenship. Okay. It's a participative engagement. It's not something that is done to us. It's something we must be part of. It's something you have to feel as well and appreciate, yeah. I imagine, which is yeah. coming more to the fore as well. Yeah. And finally, as, as ordinary people, what can we do if if we're stuck in a mirror where uh, we think we don't understand it, but it's simple, but it's been made complicated? And how can we sort of, I don't mean literally fight back, but how can we make some an effort to, to, to sort of put up the, you know, uh, resistance? Resistance, I think, you know, it's difficult to say because we're at the moment, as you know, in the process of re-electing our assembly. And I've been trying to say to people recently, maybe the important thing is to try and judge the candidate, what she or he seems to be able to offer as distinct from the party. Mm -hmm. And put your vote in those terms. Mm -hmm. But also try and develop some kind of confidence 
to, to question, even if you don't know or find it hard to phrase the question, try and get something out of there which will say, why do we need economic growth as an end in itself? Why can't we have something different than a financial system which amounts to what some would call the casino economy, mm-hmm. a form, a large-scale form of gambling, in effect. Mm-hmm. And we're back to what we've been saying several times in this discussion we've been having. People are still not quite confident enough to say it because they don't believe somehow that there is anything better. It's like complaining about the rain when you're on holiday, you know, or mm-hmm. we had a terrible holiday, the rain the whole darn time. Hmm. Well, there's no actually point in groaning about it because no, that's the weather. Yes, yeah. The economy again, I say, is a is a human creation, and has been changed in the past. The last time in my mind would have been in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War, in a British Labour government did mm-hmm. some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, thanks very much for talking to us. Well, it's thank you. No, just uh, finally, uh, the, at the moment, what's been going on? Uh, the community university down in uh, yeah. down in uh, Coolock uh, Library is too late this year. It's full up and it's uh-huh. uh, it's ongoing at the time, uh, but it's on every year. So people should uh, take part. It's history, psychology, yes. economy, and I know I'm leaving out one because it's four. Uh-huh. And I can't remember where it is. For it. it does vary a bit because yeah. I mean it depends on who's prepared to be a tutor. Okay. Okay. And hats off to Maynooth University for having sp- come up with the idea and sponsored it Is and keep the energy going. Oh, it's, uh, I see. So and hats off locally to the Northside Partnership for helping to finance it and to the library staff at Coolock mm. for the wonderful support they give us. And the presentation Friendly was and as cheerful well. and yeah. helpful, yeah. Okay, well, g- keep an eye out for from the Northside Partnership. Uh, the initiative of, of Minute, it's terrific to know. I meant to ask you directly on where the initiative came from. But Tony, you find you, uh, thanks very much for right coming on. Thank you thank very you. much, Noel. Thank you. Great pleasure. Uh, that's uh, Tony Weeks.